I'm so good. It's hot. I'm hot, but oh no, <laughs> it's 38 degrees today. It's boiling. Absolutely. Mm. No. You don't even want to be in our house and go upstairs. It's literally no. so hot. Downstairs is fine, but upstairs for heat travels, and it is horrible. So hot. This is the same <laughs> for me, actually. And we're so nasty. We're, I'm a nasty parent because we put my children upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be doing the same. <laughs> Me above them. As long as I'm cool. No one who needs to keep a cool head when they're having a fun for the next day. So. Um, so do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Sure. So I have run a business called Elise Reiki now for about seven, six, seven years. Um, I am a trauma specialist psychotherapist and I call myself a spiritual healer, which is just sort of like an overarching term for being a psychic and a medium and a channel and a healer and combining all of those skills with my trauma-informed work. It's super interesting. And really exciting. Yeah. (laughs) Um, How did you get into it? Like what made you um, go down that path? Well, I, you know, from a young age I was having – unusual you know I guess you'd call them preternatural experiences and so I was always intuitive and I was always having spiritual experiences and I just landed with a sense of wanting to help people I didn't understand exactly what and there was a funny story that my mum always tells to really embarrass me which was that when I was little you know how your parents kind of sit around and say what are you going to be when you grow up and yeah. say really cute things. And my brother, who was like three and a half, said he was going to be a fire truck and everyone at the barbecue thought that was really cute. Mm-hmm. And then I, um, when they asked me, said I was very talkative. I would have been about five and a half or six years old. And I said, I don't know what I'm here to do, but I have a job to do. And when I go and when I'm done with that and I pointed at the sky, I said, I'm going to go home to the stars where I'm from. And everyone's, I remember it distinctly. It was very clear memory. Because oh, my God. God. Yeah. And creepy. <laughs> and my poor mum, she was quite young when she had me. Now I'm a mum and I'm much older than her when, you know, she was that age and I was that age. And so she just, she was great about it. But she, I apparently I always told them that I was here to help people. And so I originally trained in psychology, but I found consistently, and this was a while ago, you know, like I did my first undergrad like tw- 20 years ago. It just, there was information that I knew intuitively in my gut, like I'd sit in lectures and think that's wrong. That's not right. There's something- Oh my God, no way. And like one distinct memory was when we were learning about like how the brain functions. We now have this concept of neuroplasticity where we know that the brain can change itself, right? And we know that we adapt and we change and we can rid ourselves of trauma. We can rid ourselves of experiences. And I distinctly remember sitting there at like 19 and the lecturer saying, look, basically, if you've had any trauma, that's it. You're done. That's There's no change to your brain. You're stuck oh, like cool. that. Love that for us. <laughs> We're fucked. <laughs> it's a lovely moment. And I distinctly just heard the word no it's not right so after my initial undergrad I honestly took this very you know I I just sort of meandered I Mm -hmm. I went and studied movement I went and studied um social work I went and studied kinesiology I went and studied anything I could find in the realm of body mind and spirit really and then after sort of landing on my can I swear in this podcast of course, <laughs> that's all we do <laughs> after landing on my ass in the middle of my satin return oh my God, ass was the swear <laughs> can you tell I'm surrounded by two-year-old children or- <laughs> you've listened to us you know we're definitely potty um, mouth over potty here potty mouth I am as well. I'm such a swear bear, but you never, you just never know what people are, what people are. And I just, I went through my satin return. I, I really fell out of alignment with where I was supposed to be. I had a Pilates and yoga studio and I would freak people out by saying I could read their bodies. I could read their auras and people thought it was marvelous. And that sort of all upended. And I found myself back studying psychology again back studying counseling again um and then I eventually worked with the 
Royal Commission into Institutionalised um, Child Sex Abuse Responses. And that oh was this huge experience for me learning a lot about trauma. And then the whole journey I took kind of made sense because we now understand the impact of trauma having a very physiological component, that it's something that's held within the body that changes the way we perceive the world. And so all of that movement and um, the understanding how the body-mind connection kind of worked suddenly made sense. And then, yeah, I sort of outgrew then the not-for-profit sector as well after working for many years working with women and children and adults who had been sexually abused or through um, family violence or various types of trauma. And I came out the other side really just exploring, you know, incorporating my intuitive work, I guess, um, with it all. And it kind of came together as this sort of mixed bag of uh, the spiritual and the psychological, I guess. Wow, that's crazy. That's, I can't believe that what you said as a five-year-old. That is, like, insane. I know. And, like, it's obviously what you're doing, your intuitive and, I guess, spiritual side has really been quite relevant and kind of guided you to where you are now. Like, it's always been there and you've always followed that, which is really cool. That's exactly right, Mitch. And I was, yeah, that's exactly right because I I just kept feeling like this strong you know, knowing, or I was being told by my guides, that that wasn't exactly the case. You know, it still happens today. That's not exactly the case. Keep going, keep looking, that kind of thing. Um, Yeah, so it's been, it's, I just have followed that sort of inner compass and it's been this wild journey and it only sort of started to make sense once I hit my sort of early 30s, really. So there's hope for us all. Yeah. (laughs) It's true. That's a good thing for everyone to know. Also, listening to the pod, totally. this question heats like, you know, people feel like they're stuck doing what they're doing, and you know that it's too late to change. And half the people that are messaging are literally like twenty two, twenty three years old. I'm just like, no, like it's never too late You've got to like so much time change what you're doing. Yeah, and I think that actually brings you strength, doesn't it? If you're qualified across, like certainly what my clients tell me is that the fact that I have a science background. The fact that I am practical and pragmatic, I'm not just slapped, no offence to any other practitioners out there, but I'm not this sort of loopy psychic woman slapping fish over them, but I have this like, you know, um, scientific knowledge base that mm-hmm. I can apply to it as well. It keeps me, you know, it keeps me on track and it keeps me, yeah. you know, relatable and it keeps me able to deliver information in a way that's understood. So I think having numerous different um, paths or, starting one thing and moving on to the next is totally appropriate. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. And it's obviously really helped you get to where you are now. Very much. Yeah. So how do you know that like, so the aspect of it that is like the psychic and the reading and that type of that aspect to it, how did you know that you could do that? Well, it sort of happened a lot naturally very naturally all through my childhood but probably the the figurative moment was when I was studying this form of um mind body healing called kinesiology I'm not sure if you've ever heard yeah, I, I, think I have I've, heard I've of been it. to one before have you wow I think so. so I was having gut health issues and I think I went to one yeah and it, and it is fabulous so it's sort of like you lie on a bed and they muscle test mm-hmm. with your hand and the idea is that you're your energy system and your body kind of uh, has this collective wisdom and knowledge and the person doing the muscle testing reads what your body is telling you, I guess, mm-hmm. about, so for example, if you had some gut issues, it they would find out information and sort of pull it all together and yeah. um, in parentheses kind of balance your energy system, your body, your mind, etc. So it all works in together. And so I was pretty much finished that qualification and and when you're studying it they take you to like mind body spirit festivals and mm-hmm. they um ask you for free to do demos on people that will come up to practice your skills you know when you're training as yeah. a student and I would have been 23 or quite you know like the people that are messaging you going what do I do with my yeah. life sort of age and a lady got down on the bed and I started off this sort of balance and then I just immediately got all this information and I, I couldn't stop myself. I just verbally spewed it out. I was like, you're this years old, you know, this happened at this age, your dad was involved, blah, blah, blah. This whole story. Yeah. 
And she just looked at me and she's like, yes, yeah. That's true. <laughs> she's like, why are you saying this? <laughs> and I was as shocked as her, to be honest. It was really a shocking <laughs> moment. And um, and she turned to her friend and she's like, kinesiology is amazing. And I was like, yeah, I wasn't going to correct her. I didn't want to tell her that I was actually totally off script. I wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing with the session. Yeah. I found after that I couldn't actually finish the technique you have to follow these rules of how you sort of finish the balance and I couldn't do that because information would just come through I just verbalized it Mm -hmm. so I abandoned it right before I was meant to finish because my guides told me straight away you don't need any more of this you just needed a framework you need an understanding but you need to go through anybody else's body you can just communicate by connecting into their energy and so that's after that I had a I fell into Pilates and yoga I had a real wild 20s of music and drugs and fun basically we love it yes i think you gotta do it at some point (laughs) yeah exactly you're gonna let yourself loose and so i just was always an athlete and i fell into pilates i ended up having my own pilates and yoga studio and in st kilda actually on ackland street so i had all these beautiful people that would come to me and I was so young and unaware that I didn't think it was weird to sort of just say to them you know I read people's energy that was the only way I could explain it and if you will do that for you and most of the time people would be like yeah absolutely do it and then one day one client was like why don't you just go and do this psychic thing like you're good Mm -hmm. at it and I just never really I just never really thought about it seriously because my, I loved the spiritual world. I was obsessed with it, but a lot of my experiences of going to see psychics and mediums were fairly negative. They were. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. Like they were just not safe emotionally. And Mm -hmm. often I found it wasn't quite right. And I felt, yeah, I just felt, I kind of saw it as this sort of charlatan kind of thing. I didn't think, I, I was very aware of ethics and I didn't want to do anything unethical because I'd been trained in psychological stuff. And yeah, and then after I sort of thought about it, maybe, maybe I could find a way to blend it all together, but do it in a way that I was proud of and do it in a way that didn't take away people's power and wasn't me just telling them stuff that didn't, you know, resonate or whatever it mm-hmm. was. Um, I found that my life crumbled in a way (laughs) that I just had to pursue that path. Um, You just could not do it. Yeah, it just just came through. And so within a year I was openly using my psychic abilities and, yeah, and sort of always just doing it on the side of other work in the psychological field. Mm -hmm. So when you, like, say you can read people, like when, so say if someone's, like, if you're reading them, do you like do the messages just come into you and you like have to say them or do you can you like think stuff about people or is it just sort of like a voice that you hear or what what yeah, do you how mean? does it how, how do does you, it work? how does it translate to you mm. yes yeah, so that's such a good question I think it's a question anyone like me gets asked because I think often we're, we're, it's like a funnel of information it's hard to understand how all of that comes through I um I'm various types of um psychic so I will often get pictures I will hear that's called clairaudience so I'll hear words sometimes outside of me sometimes in my brain mm-hmm. plus sentence is like knowledge and feelings and so sometimes people will get feelings and experiences in their body um sometimes I will get really clear vivid numbers dates it's a whole heap of information. The only way I can kind of explain it to people is I say to think about how you might tell me how to get to your house, you know, from the main street. And mm-hmm. when you have that moment of like thinking through that mental map and verbalizing it and yeah. delivering that information, it's kind of on that level. It's kind of like yeah. how an interpreter. That, that makes sense actually. Like how yeah. you can picture it in your head and then you can have to like make it into like a sentence. Yeah, so I'm a psychic. A psychic is someone that will access your the energy around you, right? Mm-hmm. So you probably had so many experiences of chilling with friends or meeting people and just having a sense mm-hmm. when you meet them, or walking into a space, getting and- a bad feeling or getting a good feeling. Yeah, I see mm-hmm. when you speak about intuition, and this is kind of where I'm not sure where you draw the line, but 
for the past few years, I've always been really, my intuition is always bang on. Mm. And like, whether I, you listen to it or not, whether I listen to it or not. And sometimes I kind of, I'm not going to say predict, but like, I'll kind of have a feeling something will happen mm. or something. Yeah. I'll see this certain person or oh, yes. this situation will happen mm. and then it will happen. And I'm like, what mm. the fuck is going on? Like, <laughs> You know? It's like when you think about someone that you haven't like seen in years and, or and then you see, see them yeah. at the shops and you're like, what the you're fuck? You're like, how has this happened? Mm. I haven't seen you in 10 years. This may not boom. even be what you're talking about, Elise. But no, it is. It is. <laughs> so psychic will do that, but they'll do that in reference to other people. So they'll walk into the space and... And I think this is where it's an interesting time because we're all upgrading energetically, as you're probably feeling, and 100%. Everyone has that capacity, and it is about whether we train ourselves to listen to it. And I think we are all here to listen to what's happening within us and get better at listening to that to make our life way more enjoyable. As I can hear from what you're saying, which is like there's been times where you haven't listened to it and maybe it bit you on the bum, you know. Yeah, like, oh, you fucking idiot. You should yeah. <laughs> look at the situation now. Exactly. Yeah, and I, I think it's so human. We all have. I do it all the time, actually, despite people paying me a lot of money for my insights. Regularly, yeah. I will be like, I knew I should have done that. I'm getting better as time goes on and I just listen to it now because I think, gosh, I really should rate it. But um, I think it's just a natural habit of hoping that, it doesn't work out that way or ignoring those details and sort of moving through life, but you hit a point where you can't go any further. So a psychic is someone who can do that for an external person. So they'll have that knowing when they walk into the field or they walk into a space externally about that space, they will know the past of that person. They'll know what's happening for them in the present. They may even be telepathic and kind of connect with what they're thinking. And then they can see. Oh, God. That scares me. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't want anyone to hear my thoughts because sometimes they're not great. <laughs> scared? Like I can imagine – yeah, have you ever got Sometimes, like a really bad vibe or like a yeah. really bad feeling? Like, look, I had growing up was the scariest time for me because from infancy I would see things at night and see, you know, um, my grandmother who was dead well before I was alive would visit me all the time and I would say weird things to my parents about the lady that would come and sit in the rocking chair in my room. Oh, you can do all of this gear. Hop into that as well. So like, oh yes, that's a big deal. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of people say, you know, when you're younger and your mind is more open and you've got that like, you know, free, creative thinking, not closed off adult vibe, you just are open to that a lot more as well. Because like a lot of kids, when people have there's so many stories, stuff, yeah, of mm, kids that like have, you know, know someone that was on the Titanic or, something. or like have said yes. crazy shit that like, yeah, is actually correct. And but like, it's like factual, how could they but it's like, how that? would this mm. child know? Yes, exactly. I mean, there's actually incredible, there's re- actual research that's been mm. done on children that recall their past lives. And of course, it happens way more in countries like India and a- all across Asia, where they're born into cultural belief systems where past lives are real and exist. Oh, wow. There's actual, I'll see if I can find the books that are written about it. It still happens, yeah. obviously, in the Western world, where you've got these incredible cases of there was one really famous one of a kid that claimed to be a Japanese fighter to have died flying a pilot as a pilot for America in the Japanese war. And he could remember all the details of the plane, all that, like to the point that he'd sketch it. It's really oh quite terrifying. Like, how would a child know? How would know you that? know? Yeah. yeah. Like, He's not like, on yeah. Google, like, you literally. know what I mean? I was exactly. like, cool. My Barbie doll, mm. not plane. I wouldn't even know what a plane was. <laughs> he eventually grew out of it. He eventually, he's like 20 now. Yeah. yeah, he eventually just, it was just something karmically, I guess he brought through on a soul level that was obviously a very traumatic way to die. It really mattered to him. And interesting, We've moved that out of him. And it's not uncommon for that to come up in my sessions with clients where we'll talk about it and say, I'll almost be able to connect the dots between stuff that had happened, fears that may come up in this lifetime that are really strong for them, like excessive, but there's no real strong trauma there. The trauma may be 
in parentheses mild, but they'll have some sense about this past life stuff. So yeah, I definitely think that children are, they're like sponges, you know, they don't. And I guess we're socialized eventually to hear that's not true. I just didn't grow out of it. Like my parents would say that to me. They were really kind to me about it, but and it was a very open household, but I just, my guides were just too involved and strong and detailed and I just never grew out of it. It just always stayed with me, I guess. So, mm. That's you, so cool. Do you struggle? I can imagine it would be really hard for you to like unwind and relax. Yeah, and I was going like, to say, like, can you turn like, it off? Yeah, like chill out. Like are you constantly getting things flying through 24-7? Like, so I, it was. And that was the supermarket, are you walking past people and it's like zoom, zoom, yeah. zoom, zoom. <laughs> I'd be like, shut up. <laughs> I think that, you know, that's such, thank you for asking that question because that was what my 20s was about, I think. Mm-hmm. And I hope it's okay for me to mention, Jackie, but I did listen to your beautiful um, podcast where you talked about your own lived experience of trauma. Mm-hmm. And I'm also a trauma survivor. I um, experienced childhood sexual abuse and various different abuses and, and adulthood. And in needing to understand that, I went and learned a lot of things to do with my energetic boundaries, my emotional boundaries. I now do a thing called EMDR, um, eye movement reprocessing and desensitization, which is one of the best things that you can do for trauma. It literally strips the reactivity from our nervous system of what we've gone through in our trauma and very, very reliably researched. Wow. So what does that, like, what, what was that called again? Sorry, what is it? Yeah, EMDR, eye movement, reprocessing and desensitization. So this is a clinically um, supported tool that was created by a lady who's a psychologist. She's no longer with us. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been around for like 35 years and it was originally used for Vietnam vets and people that went through oh. serious PTSD. And you may have seen it where people's eyes move very rapidly. Oh back God, yes, I've yeah. heard about this. So this is a really prominent trauma therapy. It's, I think. You, um, do they put you into like a sort of like trance? Well, it's it's said that it's not. You know, all I've studied it for years. I've, I've I'm very advanced in its teachings, and they claim that it's not because psychologists wants to distance themselves from hypnosis in on every okay. occasion. But it does access the working memory of the brain and change the way a memory is stored. And so, as I started to learn that, that exists, I know. like it's just so crazy. brilliant. Honestly, it's changing. It's changing the world and there are many other little um, sort of different things that are trauma-informed in that way. You know, the the work that I did in Pilates embodied me, like it put me in my body. I was not embodied in any way. And a whole combination of those sorts of things meant that I learned how to switch off. And as I healed my childhood trauma, it wasn't something that was out of my control anymore. It became something that was totally in my control. And so now a large part of my work is working with many people your age. Many of them are empaths. Many of them are deeply, I call them spiritual sensitives. Mm-hmm. And they just want to learn how to switch it off. And so we usually start from helping them to understand what their boundaries are emotionally, energetically, you know, drawing their power back from different experiences they've had where they have had less choices or felt disempowered. And then they don't feel like their sensitivities are sort of rampant and out of control, I guess. Um, But there is a large part of that often that young people will utilize if they grow up in environments where it's important for them to tap into, you know, what was going on in the adults around them. So many of my clients had childhoods like that they were loved they were cared for they may not have grown up in neglect but they grew up where their senses needed to be you know um hyper we call that hyper empathy sort of toxic in a way and I was one of those children so yeah over time I just learned how to through healing myself and through um sort of getting past fears and getting past the way my energy system could be tapped into or I tended to overuse it I honestly now don't – I only turn it on when I turn up to work and then I turn it off. And mm, that's, that's good. That's good. Yeah, and I have a beautiful husband. I have – I'm very I'm very chill. But this is after – you know, I'm almost 40. This is after like 15-odd years of purposely working through, you know, various different experiences that I've had and, yeah. Be, yeah, learning the way to control it. Yeah. And that's the thing, like 
I think a lot of people, and I do this myself, and like I'm pretty sure it's super common to do it. If you go through like a trauma or you're having a bad time, it's often so easy to sort of just like push the emotions down and like not think about it and just be like, oh, well, it won't really, that way. I don't think that would really affect me. But like, we don't realize like how much your body actually stores like trauma and stuff like that. And I'm sure you would obviously know a lot more about this, but it's super important to like, you know, talk about your trauma and see someone for it or, you know, whatever just communication about it instead of just like turning a blind eye to it and just hoping that you'll be fine. Cause like your 100%. brain just is like, like the brain is just insane to me. Like it's crazy how it works. hundred percent. I've noticed like throughout my life and my childhood and my sister and a lot of people, the stuff that we went through when we were younger at mm. the time, you know, I'd act out and I was a bit crazy wild child, like mm. teenager. But emotionally, it really didn't have an impact on me until, you know, probably the past few years when Mm. I have the emotional intelligence now to kind of understand it and I go back and I think about it. I'm like, hang on. Yeah. So it's almost like that trauma I didn't really deal with then. It's It's now my my issue now to deal with. Yeah. 100%. And what I think about that, just to validate and normalise it, is that that experience of not understanding it at the time is an adaptive survival coping mechanism we are programmed you know to just survive and that is something that our nervous system has evolved to do and that is very hard to override it also wants to store and remember what you went through right because it wants to protect you from that happening ever again so the good news is beautiful people that if it's if you've got to this point and now you're suddenly feeling like I can unpack this or I'm starting to make the links and understand it it really does demonstrate that you're at a point of maturity and safety or security in your life where you're ready to do that because Mm. the average time that it takes a survivor to be able to disclose uh, sexual abuse for example the royal commission found was 22 years whoa shit that's a lot of time to like that's so sad to harbor Mm. and hold on to hold on to it yeah that's a that's it's more not to talk about it than to talk about it and I think your podcast and all of us that are able to sort of speak and say there's nothing to be ashamed of you know I something happened to me it was out of my control and getting help for it that sort of helps us to think about wow maybe maybe I had something like that yeah yeah. I know I had so many people oh it like broke my heart but like it was so nice but there was just like so many people that damned me about it and I was just like this is just so heartbreaking it is so common way more common than reported and for me like I um very much only recently dealt with some um early childhood trauma that was uh, childhood sexual abuse and I had all the theory I had all the knowledge I was helping people with it so beat yourself up for like not dealing with it I think it's actually an adaptive normal way that your brain will protect you and often people won't remember big chunks of it you know good trauma yeah I've I've done heaps of well not heaps but I remember when I studied psychology at uni I was learning about like how your brain like represses certain memories and I just find that like so interesting how it like literally is trying to protect you from yourself Mm. like yeah it's trying to not overwhelm you and that is going to be different for every person in terms of what they do. And good trauma-informed therapy will never ask you to recall it. It will never ask you to repeat information. You can't repeat because, in fact, that just remyelinates the pathway of the trauma. So this is where going to someone that has a trauma background really helps because you would never be asked to, you know, like I I say to people all the time because I think they come in a little bit frightened that we're going to open something up. That they, yeah. yeah, and I and it's actually quite the opposite. And I'll just say to them, you know, we never, I would never ask you to do that ever. And in fact, you know, we can heal it without you necessarily um, having to speak in detail at all about it. You know, I've worked with people where I haven't known the details, the facts, the ins and outs of what had happened to them, and they are completely fine. So we do now have the technology and the, um, I guess, research and understanding to support people no matter where they are but it is very common to 
be in that place of not necessarily stepping forward with it immediately. Yeah, but obviously you'd be able to, because I know for me when I have, obviously I've never seen anyone with your talents, but um, when I used to see a psychologist a few years ago, I found for me personally, I know it's different for everyone, that talking about it, the release was good. So mm-hmm. obviously I'm assuming you would deal with both, like some people who yeah, yeah. don't really, you know, you where you can deal with it without talking about it or like getting right into it or both. Yeah, it's a different type of talking. So it's a talking that kind of digests the trauma when you're doing trauma-informed work. And what you're talking about is what I would call psychoeducation, where you go to a psychologist or a counsellor and you just, you know, you get to offload, you get to unpack. Yeah. Um, That still happens in trauma therapy for sure. It's just when we get to the nature of the um the terrible memory or the bad thing that happened to us, mm-hmm. um, the way we approach it is slightly different. Um, yeah. and it's about the person having a choice on, you know, what they reveal or what they say and most importantly being able to link back to what's happening in their body. So their nervous system, I guess, processes it, which then makes you feel less triggered if something else reminds you of that. Does that yeah. make sense? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it would depend on what you're going for. And if there's not a huge element of trauma underneath it, then, yeah, talking is hugely helpful. And talking to someone who's neutral. Yeah, who doesn't yeah. know. Yeah. yeah. Who doesn't judge you. Very important. Yeah. So, Elise, um, question for you. I mean, obviously I have always been quite a spiritual person in terms of, like, I really believe – in all of this kind of stuff I always have I've I've always had feelings and you know as I said my intuition that kind of that kind of thing I've always just really resonated with it but obviously you would have skeptics and people who are closed-minded and you know don't really believe in your work how do you deal with that because I'm sure you know I mean there's all different kinds of people in the world Mm. not everyone agrees with the same stuff so Mm. Like, how do you deal with that kind of energy and those kind of people? It doesn't happen that much, actually. I'm pretty private about my like my work with our friendship group. I've got friends that probably wouldn't even know. Oh, really? Yeah. Not because I'm ashamed of it at all. Just because, for exactly the reason that you say, Mitch, that sometimes it's sort of like politics or. religion where people can get really offended or confronted but I feel like if you told all your friends you'd be like at a party or something and everyone would be like oh my god like tell you my future and you'd be like like, fuck off fuck off (laughs) (laughs) they're either like run away from you or yeah the opposite but in my work look I it's a very long wait to see me I rarely get people like that occasionally clients will send their husbands and I've never had one you know, probably in the thousands and thousands of work that I've done, I've only really had one person that sort of really wasn't on board for taking on what I was saying. And he, um, I'm still in touch with his partner and she regularly reports back about how it's happening for him. And he's like, shit, I don't understand. I can't understand this. So I, I don't, I don't go in trying to, I think, I love the question, Mitch, because I think when you are a spiritual person, there is almost this part of you feeling like I need to help people see that it's real because the people may not necessarily understand that it's very sacred to me and it's true for me. I've been doing this for so long now. I don't have any sense of wanting to, I don't think it's my what to think essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And I do think that, um, you know, there's all every there's all different ways of thinking in the world. You know, there's some really scary things happening out there in the moment in terms of QAnon and conspirituality and all this stuff, which I'm going to be honest, absolutely frightens me because it's connecting with a space I work in and there are people that are brainwashed by it. Like that frightens me more yeah. than the skeptic, if I'm honest with you, the non-believer, the people that probably believe without any question of reality and are being led and controlled I guess in that way frightens me more so I don't have to deal with it very often but I also think because I approach it from a place of not feeling that my opinion or my beliefs are the only way 
of well, interaction. That's good. That's good. Cause um, you know, there definitely are people out there that are like, no, this is my opinion. These, these are my yeah. beliefs and that is it. A hundred percent. And that's, that's fine. I think they have the right to think like that. It doesn't, as like with you, I've had too many experiences um, to believe that way. And I think, you know, I'm not here to, um, I guess, recruit people. I'm just here to help the people that want to be helped. And yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, I wanted to know, have you ever like predicted anything or had a feeling like, I don't know, for example, about like COVID or like any sort of large life events or people that you've met or I don't know, just predict, have you ever like? I mean, it happens constantly. My poor husband is at the mercy of it all the time. The the most dramatic personal, I, I do a lot of that for other people. Yeah. It's, I try not to advertise my skills. And this is why I call myself a spiritual healer, because I find it means that the people that just want to know if their partner's cheating on them or whatever, which <laughs> is the tarot reader that they don't have to wait to see, you know, at the market. So there's some brilliant tarot readers out there as well. But I, that, I don't see that as my core. Like yeah. I feel like I'm here for a purpose and I don't think my purpose is to say like, you know, check his messages or whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you know what? I wouldn't even come to you for that because I have that built into my brain. I'm like, I know. I will check You don't need to tell me. I know. <laughs> but one thing that happened to me personally, which is quite crazy is so I met my husband when I was 31 we knew each other we were friends before that and when we got together shortly after that we moved to Sydney together and we hadn't been together very long and I had really kissed a lot of frogs before I met him so it was like (laughs) it was like a really important relationship so when I think about saying this to him he knew I was intuitive from the get-go because he'd actually come to my Pilates studio. That's how we met. And oh, so he knew that part of me. But I turned to him a few years into our relationship and I said to him, look, I need to tell you that around 36 or 37, I'm, there's going to be an accident, something really bad is going to happen to me, and all the doctors are going to frighten you. They're going to say to you that I'm probably going to die. It's going to be a really tense moment. And we'll have two kids. And I just want to tell you, no matter what happens, don't worry about it. I'll be completely fine. And of course, my husband, his name is Tex. He was like, why the fuck would you say that? That is the worst information. (laughs) He's like, why did you say that? Mm. And anyway, time went by, that time rolled on and it, it never really eventuated or I sort of forgot about it until recently where I was doing like a live on Instagram with someone interviewing me. And I recalled it. Well, at 37, I gave birth to my beautiful twinnies. And yes, I've got boy, girl twins. And so I got pregnant with them at 36, had them at 37. And the birth was fine, trigger warning. But the the after, so the postnatal was that I had this huge uterine tear. I was bleeding out on the table. No one knew. And essentially that event happened, right? I had to go to theatre several times. Um, there were times where they didn't think I was going to live through it. I literally said goodbye to my mum and my husband. Oh, my God. Wait, so you were conscious. I know, and I'd held the the little bubbies and, like, there were my two children. So I'd never – by the time I got to 36, I didn't have a child. I was thinking – this doesn't, this prediction makes no sense at all. Like, I don't know how I'm going to. And then, of course, I had the twins. And anyway, everything was fine. I was completely fine. And it was only like, yeah, a few months ago that I remembered, I was talking to my beautiful friend on Instagram, um, Denny, and he was interviewing me. And I was sort of talking about how sometimes being psychic is extremely pointless. Like, in that moment, I'd prepared everyone for this event that was going to happen. And it happened and everyone forgot. Like we were standing in the theatre. My husband was like praying. You know, like we're all in this moment of panic. No, it didn't help me at all. I didn't remember it at the time. I literally thought I was going, you know. So it, it happens to me constantly. It happened when we first got together when I predicted he would move to Sydney for his job and he didn't get the job, didn't get the job. And turned to me, was so angry because I'd said, you're going to get this job in Sydney and we're going to be there in a few months. And, of course, two weeks rolled by and they came back to him and they said, 
we want you for this job. And then, of course, we moved to Sydney. So all of these things had happened over and over. And so he's, you know, he still questions me. He still questions me every time I say something. He still doesn't believe. And I am now at the point where I'm like, just like, we've had too many experiences now for you to doubt me. But like big events like COVID, I mean, I had plenty of times where clients were coming to me and I would, one poor girl, I was like, between March and May in 2020, you are not going to be dating at all. And oh my god! <laughs> and she tells me about it all the time now. So you like, knew what would happen, but you didn't know what would happen. I didn't know it was COVID at all. No, I, I think you probably get certain. So it's an example. You get information, but you don't necessarily get the whole picture because you're a human being. You're meant to have yeah. Yeah. You know, your experiences probably after the fact that it makes sense. But, yeah, those things happen frequently. I just find it so it's so, so crazy. it's so fascinating to me and like I know cuz my mum is like number one podcast fan of our podcast and I have said to her for literally years like I she you know I've said to her for years she told me years ago years and years ago that my dad's mum had she kind of had this dream one night that her son died and then um, in a car accident, and the next day he rode his bike to school, got hit by a drunk driver, no way. and was killed. No way. The next day. Oh my! And then my mum told me that story, and I was like, I haven't necessarily had that dream, but like, there have been that many things. Yeah. Honestly, that many things. You found your calling, Mitch. That many things that I've literally, Mitch. <laughs> I've literally had just the strongest intuition or feeling about, or. Like even not long ago, I was telling Jackie, I had a dream about this certain person and it wasn't you. We were going to have on a podcast. I had a dream about her and her partner. Mm. And the next day, um, Ruby, who is managing our podcast, um, she messaged me and was like, oh, I'm thinking we should get this person on the podcast. And I messaged Jackie and I was like, this is fucked. I literally had a dream about this person last night. Never met this person, barely know them. Like, I know of them, but why would I dream of them the night before you messaged mm. me saying, let's get them on the podcast? Mm. It's just stuff like that, certain instances where I've been out with my mum and I'm like, we're going to run into this person mm. who, and it's always a certain person that I do not want to see, my dad's <laughs> mistress, because you have heaps of drama with her. <laughs> and the next thing, there she is across the food court. like Ready to I'm ruin like, your day. Like, what is going on? I just And then mum said to me, she's like, you must have got it. And she said, her, my mum said her dad's intuition was fucking bang on. And then obviously yeah. my dad's mum has had a few instances where she's kind of seen things before they've happened. And it's not necessarily being like predicting the future. I just like get this gut feeling. And yeah. then, you know, for me, when things don't feel right, whether it's in a relationship or a situation that I'm in, they're not right. They're always not right. That's so magic, though, that you've got a sense of that. And I think. I really do think what we're going on going through globally right now is really sort of speeding up that process for everybody to start listening to to themselves. Yeah. Because yeah, I'm sure those abilities that you have, Mitch, have carried you through well this year. You know, like they've given you a sense of faith and trust and, you know, direction. So It helps yeah. in these moments, you know. When it's, you been a, it's been a really, it's been obviously a horrible year, but I've, I've said to Jackie and my housemate Em and my mum and all my friends, like, although the year has been so chaotic for me, it's and it's such a horrible year for everyone. Mm. And it's been, it hasn't been good for me either, you know, wasn't working for such a long time. But, and like, you know, mental health kind of struggles of yeah. just mm. locked indoors 24-7. Mm. But, um, it's also... I feel like I've grown up a lot. I've matured. I'm feeling really happy about myself and just like, you know, there's, I feel like there's a lot of good has come from it for me as well. 100%. I think it's taught everyone to sort of slow down and like listen to themselves and, you know, just put themselves first and really have to think about, well, definitely for me too. Cause I, at the start of COVID, like I was not coping. No. I don't even know why I'm not even like that much of like a social butterfly. Like I'm super introverted, but like I had these times, like do you remember those times where I would just be like, I feel like just so overwhelmed with like the fact that I just don't know what the fuck is going on. 
it's the unknown yeah. and it was a, it's been such a year of and one of my biggest and like my mum has always said to me she's like you're so impatient and like <laughs> I always need to know what's going to happen mm. I always need an answer and like what's, like what's going to happen in the future well. yeah mm. but when you know this year I've kind of had to be like oh, who fucking knows what's going to happen in the future I have to just like kind of cop it and deal Let with it, go, it. like it's yeah. and it's still foreign to me to kind of just go with the flow in that kind of sense but it's just been a fucking whirlwind and I'm sure it has been for you as well like yeah I was gonna ask well sorry before you sorry I rudely chop you off there but (laughs) how have you dealt with your career and COVID and how have you continued to have you done like zoom consultations yeah can you what do you call it can you can you do that like do you with what you do, do you physically need to be in front of someone to get what you get or can you do, like, this kind of situation? Yeah. Like- yeah. Um, so um, to answer... Sorry, your- we both just flew off. There. <laughs> <laughs> You're sitting here going, who the fuck are these two? Awesome questions. So actually, I my guides had been encouraging me to start this online sort of spiritual healing portal thing called the practice which is um just like a membership sort of program where we connect around webinars um monthly and whatever and Uh for like towards december of 2019 they were like okay get it going so i sort of started preparing it and then of course we had lockdown and so i had a fraction of drop off not much on during lockdown i transferred all my work um, online that um, needed to be there and I created this online portal and you get to see me doing a lot of that distance work but it's more about helping people build their own skills like yourself um, yeah. you know to, to meditate connect with yourself intuitively and I'll jump in a little bit to guide and sort of give um, you know what I'm getting um, where people want it so that kind of happened so that has been helpful during the lockdown but I was already booked out for most of the year before the successive lockdowns so sort of what happened was I do prefer to see people face to face this year has changed all of that I was always able to work online and I did it and I can do what I do remotely always Um, but I did have a lot of people reach out to me through Instagram who just weren't coping who I offered sessions to in the first instance you know, online. And so I, I really feel that was actually spirit trying to coax me out of just working with people face to face, really, you know? So now I can do, I'm doing both and I'm creating some new offerings next year that will be purely online. And so I don't find it makes any difference at all to what I do. Um, I just, I just think it's a different modality that you have to get used to. But I think, yeah, the thing about COVID was it affected everyone almost in everyone was affected. I'm not sure if anybody was unaffected by it. I think everyone was impacted. One way or another for sure. Yeah. And my guides called it when it happened. I remember when we sort of went into that first sort of state of emergency, my guides came through and told told me that it was, they called it the fear apocalypse. And what they were saying was that this year would be a year where our personal unique fears would come up for us in a way that was unavoidable. And the purpose of that was to transcend them. So in the ways that you were talking about, like each of us, I had a really tough time in the second lockdown Mm -hmm. I experienced compassion fatigue which happens when you do too much work all at once I was seeing twice as many people as I normally would and I'd created this extra platform and I imagine taking on like I know all like your own issues plus maybe like your partners and your You've got kids too, and then taking on complete randoms issues too. Like it's like the struggle of being an empath, but yeah, times times bloody, a billion. Like however many bloody people you see. Mm. <laughs> well, it was beautiful yeah. though because I nearly lost my mind, Jackie. Like you know how you were describing, I was wrecked. I was so bad. I had to take some time off work. I was questioning everything, and then I just put a few boundaries in place. I got myself back in order. 
and now I'm better than I ever have been and I'm able to do more than I ever have. And it's not, I'm just doing better quality work. I'm just doing, so in a way, like I know some people have been affected and I don't mean to minimise the effects that some people have gone through because it has been devastating for many. I'm very grateful for the way I had to confront that. I think my fear was around that, exactly what you're talking about, Jackie, when I got into this work, I said to my mom that I had always worried that I'd start this work and then be overwhelmed by demand and I would just be obliterated in it. And that essentially did happen a little bit. And I had to sort of figure out how to cope with being booked out a year in advance, how to cope with, you know, how to have offerings that met those demands. And I think this year just taught me to like, to not try to feel that I'm the only person that can help. There are millions of people out there that do incredible things. So when I reset that, the pressure just dropped and yeah, now I'm doing work in different ways. So I'm grateful for that near mental breakdown, (laughs) even though at the time I was pulling my hair out, you know, I just think we've had to face these very unique scripted, almost conspiring fears against us you know this year and in exactly the way that we've needed to to be really like we've just had to look everything straight in the eye and And there's been no other option but to just fucking get on with it yeah but that's I mean that's really good for you though because it's obviously been a complete reset and it's very much yep as bad as it was you you seem like you're in a really good place right now and and this is that yeah, the start of the year we had this astrological event, which is actually called the cosmic reset. It happens every in the way that yeah. So it's this Saturn Pluto conjunction that happened. It happened around the time the bushfires were happening, and it's also the time that COVID was feels like yeah. And then right at the end of this year, we have what's called the Great Awakening, which is the uh, Saturn-Jupiter, I'm pretty sure, conjunction happening, which is said to be us moving into, have you ever seen the, you probably haven't seen the musical, but you have you ever heard that song, The Age of Aquarius from the Hair musical? And it talks about all the hippies running around singing this. I'm probably well too old for you when I'm giving that reference. But anyway, we're moving into this time of the age of Aquarius now in astrology. And this is a time that's been spoken about for eons and it's about community-minded, socially-minded, innovative technology that kind of brings humanity together and upgrades us all um, towards social cooperation and awakening, spiritual awakening. So the point of that sort of really coming on in a powerful way so almost has begun this year. That's where you're seeing all the sort of resetting going on, I guess, geopolitically. And once we get past that December 21 kind of point, it's almost like we're starting to move into that rebuilding phase of gradually you know, everyone kind of coming on board and starting to make sense of the changes that have needed to happen. Yeah you know, and get back on track. So it's an, it's been an interesting year for sure, but it's been one that's been predicted for a while. Yeah. Wow. Wow. It's crazy. It is crazy. So I just wanted to ask, do you do like, so if you have someone that comes in to see you, what would normally happen when you would see them? Um, so we would chat for a little bit. I am not a blind reader in the sense that I I say, because I'm trauma-informed, I say to people, you know, give me a sense of why you're here. They don't have to tell me all the details, but it just gives me permission energetically to kind of connect into their energy. Mm-hmm. And basically then I just start to read their energy. We get them on the table and I do what's called a healing, but I verbalize through it, sort of like a reading and a therapy session and a healing all in one. And mm-hmm. from that becomes the blueprint of our work together. Um, and basically after that, you know, 30% of people just come because they're wanting to connect spiritually. They're wanting to understand events that happened in their life. They want to see if, you know, their grandmother comes through, for example, or, you know, something like that. And Mm -hmm. that may happen. And then the other sort of 60 to 70% are coming because they want to get past a certain experience. You know, maybe they're having relational issues or maybe they're having confidence issues, maybe having sensitivity issues. And so we may do what's called, I I call an episode of care where we book in sessions of therapeutic um, work where I do more of the sort of clinical tools fused with the spiritual stuff later on. And we might catch up then for a sort of intense period of time, like monthly, 
for maybe three to six months. And then after that, they may just choose to come and see me as they want, you know, maybe once every quarter or once, um, you know, every six months or so. Yeah. Interesting. And so can you do that sort of stuff via uh, like just speaking to someone over the phone? Yeah, I usually just do it on Zoom. Mm-hmm. And I basically just, yeah, just share. It's the same sort of format using all the same sort of tools. Um, so, yeah, I've gradually started to do that also via Zoom now. Um, you it's harder if you're not like physically with no, someone? It, it's, no, it's more just that I love being with people and yeah. I, they like the re- reassurance of being around me and mm-hmm connecting with me it's more for the other person because it doesn't change it for me at all sometimes it makes it easier sometimes it makes it a little bit easier because there's less noise and I just I'm just focusing on what's coming through me and the information that's there through me and I actually did one recently for a lovely client in New South Wales and that was the first time we'd ever connected and it was really very successful you know so so that's crazy but that's awesome yeah it's really it's really good I'm proud of what I do and you know um I I, I'm so grateful to be speaking to you guys about it because you're clearly really interested and you're on your own journey of so interested I'm actually like kind of interested to know like just talking to like you talking to us like if you get any if you get anything not at all. Um, nothing negative. <laughs> nothing negative. But again, I've not come in to do that. I was getting a little bit about you, Mitch, but it wasn't. Um, you know, it wasn't negative. I just think you, you're a you know deeply sensitive person. Are you in a crossroads at the moment, Della, with your careers and what you want to do and whatnot? Yeah, I've just yeah. <laughs> I've literally just started a new job. Yeah, um, like three weeks ago now going on three weeks but still torn do you feel like you're sort of not sure where to put your energy right now um I'm I'm not so much torn I just feel like the role that I've just taken I know that it's going to go further um I just don't know in what direction I know I know I'm in the right I'm on the right path I just know it's gonna fork off somewhere like within where I am right now but somewhere else Mm. Mm. yeah I feel like I'm always in a fucking crossroads (laughs) and I think it is because you're and it's interesting you mentioned about your dad and whatnot I think it comes back to that dolls they do give me like between six and nine being these really important years for you of understanding the relationships that were happening around you and what was going on so you may always feel this sense of loyalty needing to choose one or the other and feeling like you're a bit torn and not knowing where you go they do give me how old are you now dolls I'm 25 next week so 24 28 feels like this time where I feel like a lot of that is going to end for you it feels like um, a real settling with your career path and also in yourself and I feel romantically there's a real deep like a deep connection that's established (sighs) between 28 and 29 that's I'm happy you know what I feel like a lot of people would be like oh why can't it be now but you know, I'm turning 25 and as I've said to a lot of people, I feel like it took me a long time to be happy single now. Like it took me four or five years to be like okay with it and I'm really enjoying it. And I've just said, I say to everyone, I'm like, I don't want to meet anyone for a while. I want to just enjoy being on my own and, um, you know, being single and like enjoying my own time. So I've, that's, you know. Yeah, and, and and it may happen slightly earlier than that, but I, I certainly feel that around that between 28 and 29, a lot of things come together for you and a lot of that having to choose between yeah. one or the other, which for me feels like a childhood loyalty is resolved. It's not there for you anymore. And there's, um, I think you'll always have this media connection, but there are s- substantial other sort of business commerce type things that I think will be happening around you as well so just keep doing what you're doing but I think this deep inquiry that you're wanting to do you know on yourself right now in the next few years it's all going to crystallize in a really good place where you won't feel so much like you're not sure 
where to focus your energies. Oh, sorry, yeah, that was pickles. That, oh, it's cute. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's like that makes sense. And, you know, I feel like a lot of the time for me, I feel like everything's always just up in the air. Mm. <laughs> like, I feel like that's like everyone, you know? Yeah, it's, it's um, I don't know. But if I had you, Jackie, if I had you, I would be working on, you you know, I've cheated because I listened to that podcast, but I would be working on a prior relationship with you, Dolls, and the impact of that and what was happening at that time um, and how it affected your confidence and your trust. I think there was a lot of, um, similar to what Mitch was saying, you had a sense of things not being quite as they seemed. Mm but I get a two month period where things were really quite tense and really um, distressing for you. And mm. I like certainty around that time yeah. when things dragged on, dragged on, there was some miscommunication or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that made you question yourself. Super interesting to talk to you. I've, yeah. I've thoroughly enjoyed this. I feel really good about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I really want you to know that I appreciate your work and I think it's awesome. Thank it's you. amazing talent and um that you've really tapped into it and helping people it's amazing yeah oh thank you it was beautiful to speak to you both and enjoy the world too so thoroughly yeah so if anyone listening wants to get in contact with elise we've given we will post your instagram we'll put all your details um in the show notes and on our instagram so everyone can um possibly get in touch with you check you out but um it's been amazing to talk to you we really appreciate you taking the time out of your evening i know you're busy with with the twins and (laughs) and business like it's yeah it's really kind of you we are so grateful and we've loved this convo yeah well it's my pleasure thank you for asking me on Oh, no, I feel really so like much. I feel really elevated right now. <laughs> Mitch looks like he's about to cry. Yeah, I'm very emotional. <laughs> As you said, I'm extremely sensitive, and you're not wrong. Like, yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're cute. All right. Well, we'll have to organize yeah, these we'll, sessions real we'll soon. See you soon. Yeah, I would. I would honestly love to um come and see you. At some yeah, point. we'll we'll make a day trip out of it. Totally. Thank you so much. much. (laughs) All right, thanks so much. Bye.